So you can see there, again, how the theme that we're really looking today is take my life, Lord, and let it be consecrated. Consecrated means set apart, right? Set apart for you. But also in regards to my relationships. When I think about maybe an example of a relationship set apart for the Lord, uh, it, I'm reminded of it every year that 1010 comes around, October 10th. And uh, true confessions, I had this sermon all ready to go last week, and it was 1010, so it really fit. Of all sermons to include the date on, then I can't even preach it on 1010. Uh, but every time 1010 comes around, I think of this couple. Uh, their names are Bob and Karen. I think of what a model uh, relationship uh, they, they had. Uh, Karen had, was a Sunday school superintendent for 26 years, uh, which meant that every Sunday she would come to church at about 7 o'clock in the morning, and her husband would come with her. Her husband would drop her off and help her a little bit, get all the Sunday school materials ready for 100 kids or so in the morning, maybe not that many. Uh, then about 7.15, he would walk his way across the, the street uh, to the church that he went to, and uh, they had a 7.45 service, so he would welcome everybody while Karen uh, continues to get Sunday school materials ready. He would go to early service. She would still be over at Sunday school helping the teachers. He'd go adult Bible study while she helped run the children's Bible study. Then during the late service, uh, she would come over to the late service, and he would do the family errands for the week and go grocery shopping, pick up the Sunday paper. But he'd always be back to pick up his bride underneath the carport by the time late service uh, was over. Uh, just a, like I said, a, just a wonderful Christian couple. Uh, their, their teamwork was evident, and they even gave testimony to it. Uh, this is why I always know it's 1010. Their license plate, even 101064, uh, their, their wedding date. And then Karen gets Alzheimer's. And that's when their value as a team really shines. As Bob was there for her, uh, you know, every day, serving, meeting all of her needs. And then eventually, though, it, it gets a little bit too much for what he can handle. And so uh, Karen has to go into a memory care unit. Uh, but like clockwork, Bob is there every day having lunch with her until finally he ends up in a, in a nursing home. But he arranges for the medivan to take him as often as it's available. And so she would, he would go visit her. Uh, across town where she was. And so it was no surprise that when Karen passed away two years ago, as I was reading the obituary, it says, you know, she peacefully went into the arms of Jesus with Bob at her side. With Bob at her side. Ever since day six of creation, when our triune God said, it is not good for man to be alone. We have known that God designed us to have people at our side. Not just talking about spouses here, but, but by very nature, our Father, Son, Holy Spirit God is a relational God. It's part of his essence. It's who he is. He's got a relationship with himself. But he also created us to be relational people. He put people into our lives. He put us into other people's lives. Again, I'm not, I mean, what we're going to be looking at today is an example of, of marriage. That's an example of marriage. But you could think spouse to spouse. You could think parent to child. You could think friend to friend. You could think neighbor to neighbor. You could think pastor to parishioner. We, have, we are 
put in all these relationships, and, and God intended them to be a blessing for us. That doesn't mean it's wrong to ever want some alone time, all right? It doesn't mean that, that um, uh, you know, being single is somehow worse than being married. No, God talks about blessings of that stage of life too. But no matter what our stage of life is, the point is we have relationships. And as wonderful and as great and as blessing intended as God wanted relationships to be, the truth of the matter is relationships, although blessings, are often a source of pain and often a source of hurt. And it's just the way it works is that sometimes the closer the relationship, the more painful the hurt. The potential for greater hurt comes from a close relationship, right? You've heard the phrase like, the, friends of a wound, uh, the wounds of a friend are deep, right? More so than if just some random person hurts you. If it's a friend that hurts you, that stings a little bit more. Well, Jesus understood that. He understood it firsthand, right? One of his very own betrayed him. Uh, but we, we look at, we're looking at God's word today uh, to see what he has to say about relationships. Particularly, he addresses it from the standpoint of when relationships go bad, when, when relationships hurt. And, and so what we're going to be looking at today is a lesson from Mark uh, chapter 10, where we see... Uh, it is a question, it's a conversation uh, that Jesus has with a group of people called Pharisees. Uh, now, Pharisees are, are this religious group of Jesus' day. They're also a political group of Jesus' day. And, and they did not always see eye to eye with Jesus. And so they, they come to him and they have this question about relationships, about broken relationships. Particularly, they, they come at it from a standpoint of, of marriage being broken, one of those relationships as an example. And so we'll just read these words where it says, some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you, he replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And when they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this, and he answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. All right, let's take a little closer look at, at this conversation and what it has to teach us about relationships. So, so the Pharisees come to Jesus concerned about these broken relationships that they are seeing, particularly in, in marriages. What does Jesus have to say about this? 
And it's not that they just want Jesus' opinion on, okay, how can we set up a great divorce care system for all the people we're serving? No, there's, there's a little bit behind their questioning. It says here again, it says, the Pharisees came and tested him. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And understand, a little bit of context will help us here. Uh, the, main, the most popular rabbinic schools, a rabbi was a teacher who had people around him. The most popular rabbinic schools of the day just said, hey, you can get divorced for very easily, very lax. Um, I mean, if, if you're just tired of your wife, all right, write her a certificate. Uh, too naggy, too needy, get rid of her. Uh, too emotional, too messy, divorce her. Burns your breakfast or shows a little too much ankle in public, yep, reason for divorce. Honestly, those were two reasons. Those were two legitimate reasons in Jesus' day. If, if your wife burned your breakfast, burned your food or showed a little too much ankle in public, reason for divorce. And, and you know, it, it kind of reminds me of Reno. Reno got put on the map because it's the easiest place to get divorced in the 1930s to 1960s. So I think the Pharisees would have really fit in uh, right here in Reno. Um, but, but so they... But that was really popular. People kind of liked that. So, oh, I can get divorced for no reason at all. Hardly any reason at all. And so now if Jesus says, nope, that's not right, they're thinking, well, maybe Jesus will lose some popularity. People are going to start leaving Jesus, which is one of their goals. Or if he says, oh, yeah, you can follow the popular teaching of the day when it comes to this relationship, then they were going to nail him and say, well, is that what the Bible says? And so they thought they had Jesus pinned in a corner with this question. They're, they're testing him. And how does Jesus respond? One of the common ways that he responds to the Pharisees, whenever they ask him a question, he sends them a question right back. Well, what did Moses command you? He says, Moses is that human writer that God used to write the first five books of the Old Testament. We sometimes call it the Torah, or sometimes it's called the Law. It's a, that seems to be the main theme of the first five books. It's like a guidebook, a law for Christian living to lead a God-pleasing life. And so you, maybe that's the best way to say what Jesus said. He said, well, what does the Bible say? And what a great way to, to address anything in life, even our relationships. When we're wondering what should we do here or what should we do there, our first question ought to be, or as Jesus says here, does the Bible say anything about this? What does the Bible say? Not, am I going to be shaped by culture? Or am I going to be shaped by Scripture? Am I going to be shaped by, by you know, the, what, what's ever accepted in the world? Or am I going to be changed by what's right? Am I going to follow feelings? Or am I going to follow facts? No, Jesus says, whenever we're dealing with any challenge in life, no matter what that challenge is, relationships or not relationships, what a great question to ask. What does the Bible say? Not what do I want it to say. What does the Bible say? And not just what does it say, but what does it mean? You know, I, I, I think the Pharisees knew. I know they knew what the Bible said. They were very good at knowing black on white the words of Scripture. They knew the letter of the law struggled with the spirit of the law. I mean, when Jesus asked this question, what did Moses command? Boom, they don't miss a beat, right? Well, they said, well, look at 
Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. But what does that mean? What's behind that decree that Moses wrote? And that's where Jesus, Jesus starts to get at the heart of the problem. He starts to get at the heart of the hurt behind relationships. That he says, yeah, it's not just because she burned your breakfast, your eggs were a little too hard, you know. It's not because the back rub that he gave you is a little too hard, so now you can get a divorce. No, the reason, the reason God allowed for this was because your hearts, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. In other words, God's saying, this is not design, God's design. But we get to a point where our hearts become so uncaring or our hearts become so untrusting or our hearts become so unloving that God's heart was filled with compassion. And so he, he wrote an amendment to his perfect law, you might say, allowing, out of, out of compassion, allowing a way out. But he did not say that's his design. In fact, he makes that very clear. After he's saying, yeah, it's because your hearts were hard that God allowed this. And that's, that's still true today. God did and does allow for this. But to appreciate that's not what God wants or it's not his design. And, and, the, and the fact that Jesus follows it up very quickly, he says, but at the beginning, you'll know this, but at the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. And then, he, and then he says, this, this is God's design. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And maybe it's that last verse that we need to talk about here a little bit today, especially that verb, joined. Uh, the, word, uh, the word picture that's behind that word joined is, is it's really meaning saying, what God has yoked together. You know what a yoke is, right? No, not that. Um, uh, no, a yoke is that piece of farming equipment, that, that big piece of wood that gets put on top of you, and that looks so burdensome, right? That gets put on top of our shoulders. But it's a really a beautiful instrument not to make our burdens heavier. It's actually intended to make our burdens lighter. It, 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 it puts you in sync with someone else. So you're able to pull at the same time and, and carry that weight behind you, pull that weight behind you at the same time and at the same amount of pressure. Uh, the, the partner is not the yoke, all right? I think sometimes we think that, oh, God has just put me with this burden in my life, right? No, the yoke is the yoke. God designed this, this partnership, relationships, in order to make life easier. Again, that, that, the, uh, the picture that's used here is marriage. But you can really think of all relationships that way. You, you go through Scripture, and, and, and God talks all about these each other and one another passages. It's always about not what can I get out of this, but how can I be a benefit to someone else? Love one another. 
serve one another. I mean, God's design here is just beautiful. I am putting you in a relationship with other people, again, whether it's spouse to spouse, parent to child, member to member, so that we can go through life and carry the burdens of life easier, making our burdens lighter as we walk through, as we do life together. And yet, I don't think I have to convince you today that that's not what always what relationships look like. Sometimes we get a lot of hurt. Sometimes instead of that burden or that yoke making things lighter for us, it becomes heavier for us. And as I'm yoked to somebody, I bring my own shortcomings and I hurt people uh, whether it's my spouse, I hurt with my words, or it's whether it's my children, I hurt with my dis- you know, disappointments, or I, I, you know, we, we hurt our neighbors, we hurt our friends, uh, we, we hurt each other. And, and if it's not my own hurt or shortcomings that I bring into a relationship, it's the hurt that gets imposed on me from someone else that maybe they've shown anger towards me or they've shown disappointment towards me or they've been let down with me or they, you know, they've maybe even been abusive to me. And, and so again, instead of a being yoked with someone actually lightening our load, it just becomes almost unbearing, unbearable. And, and that really shouldn't surprise us because what is any relationship we're in. Anybody we're yoked with, although intended to be a blessing, any relationship is still the union of two sinners. And so there's going to be hurt. There's going to be guilt. There's going to be pain. And so the question becomes today, so how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? No matter what relationship you're dealing with, you know, the, Mark 10 here, what we're looking at, I don't want to say this applies to all relationships. This is particularly talking about marriage, so I don't want to twist it and say everything here fits every relationship. But I look at, you know, our world, I, I even look at this congregation. You know, I, I don't know everybody's personal relationship backgrounds. I think I know a lot of them. And if I just quickly looked at all of our, our people, about 45% of our congregation has experience the firsthand hurt of being divorced. And 100% of us have probably experienced second-hand or third-hand. You know, that's why we're we're actually going to be offering in January a a program called Divorce Care and Divorce Care for Kids because it it affects so many people. And so I, I, you know, again, the the point here is that, that, yeah, this talks about marriage. But the greater point is that Jesus realizes that as wonderful as blessing and blessings as, as relationships are, they're sometimes hurtful. They're not easy. They're painful. And so we, we come today and we say, well, how do we deal with that? What's the solution to, you know, to take my life? Is this, is this our solution? Just pray, you know, 
Take my life, Lord, and let it be consecrated to you, in my, even in my relationships. Oh, it's a beautiful prayer. <laughs> That's an easy prayer. But how does God answer that? No matter what relationship we're talking about. So you say, well, okay, this is what you have to do. Just look in the mirror every morning and say, today, today I'm going to be better in this relationship. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better mother, a better neighbor, a better sister, whatever it is. Well, you're still the union of two sinners. So what does he do? Does he hand you, oh, here's a self-help book. Here's how to be a better, have a better marriage. Here's how to have a better a working relationship at, you know, between employer and employee. Yeah, there's some value in some of those things. But they're always going to let you down. There's really only one place that we can go where we find this prayer answered. And it sounds cliche-ish, but it's the cross. Because what happened on the cross? Every hurt that I caused in a relationship, be it with my words, be it with my actions, be it with my thoughts, every hurt that I ever caused landed on Jesus. And he took it away on the cross. Every hurt that I ever endured that was so crushing when I heard those words or those deeds from someone else were paid for by Jesus. Like I said, I don't want that to become cliche today. I, I Just think about that. You know, relationships, those wounds are deep. And, and so think about whatever relationship you have had in the past or the present that has just been, you know, something, a, a yoke that has pressed down on you and continues to press. Maybe something that has, you have harbored for years. And first and foremost, know that the sin, your hearts were hard, right? That's why God allowed for it. The sin that was involved in that relationship, whatever that relationship was, was gone. Jesus paid for it. That is what's going to lead us to set aside my, my life, my relationships for him. To know that Jesus paid. You can live guilt-free for whatever harm we have caused in our relationship. And, and here's what's so neat. Not only did Jesus remove our hurts and, and, and take away the sins that we have done in our human relationships. On the cross, what else was he doing? He was also restoring a relationship. He was restoring our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's depicted rather subtly in this section from Mark chapter 10 as well. In the third scene, there's three scenes. I don't know if you caught it. The first scene is these Pharisees come and they ask Jesus this question. That's what we've talked about so far. The second scene is, we're not going to talk about it all, but that's where Jesus explains some of these things to his disciples. But then all of a sudden, this third scene seems to come out of nowhere. There's kids there again. And like they were here. We had kids again two weeks ago in service. And like, 
where do these kids come from that all of a sudden, but, but that's what Jesus is doing, and he's, he's, he, all these kids are coming to him right when he's talking about relationships, right when he's talking about divorce and, and all the hurt that comes with it, and here's Jesus welcoming little children, placing his hands on them, and blessing them. What's, what's the connection? We have to remember, again, we talked about this not too long ago, but how were kids viewed? They're messy. They're burdens. In fact, they were, yeah, they were, they were seen as blessings, but not till they're older so that they could carry on your legacy. When they're kids, they were seen as burdens. And yet, what, what's Jesus doing? He's saying, hey, I'm welcoming them. I'm blessing them. And you think about that, that we have a God. We have a Savior who welcomes messy relationships people who are messing up our lives. He welcomes burdens, even when we've been burdensome to God because of our sins. Where does he stand? No matter how messed up your relationships life, relationships have been in your life, no matter how burdened you have been by relationships, you have this picture of your Lord today that he welcomes you. He welcomes you with open arms and he places his hands on you and he blesses you. And that is a relationship that started far before 101064. That's a relationship that started before eternity. When he said, I want to have a relationship with you, my child. And that's a relationship that's going to last much longer than till death do us part because in this relationship, there is no parting because there is no death because Jesus paid for everything that would cause death and he rose again so that you could have life. And because we have life, we can make our prayer, take my life, take my life and let it be. Even my relationships always own.